Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming that... Jake, what what are you doing here? It's stewardship season. I know it's stewardship season, and I'm always selling, and so I just wanted everybody to know, if they really enjoy the sermon podcast, they can go to calvarystgeorges.org backslash giving and make a one-time gift, or they can pledge to the ministry of Calvary St. George's and be a part of what we're doing as we proclaim the historic faith to the city and to the very ends of the earth. Sounds like you've made this pitch before, Jake. You know, Matt, I'm always selling. And now on to your regularly scheduled sermon. A very warm welcome to you to Calvary Church, part of the parish of Calvary St. George's. And uh, today we do indeed uh, celebrate uh, Veterans Day, and uh, we thank all of the veterans in our parish and all of those of you who have served. And today we remember that all gave some, and uh, some gave all. Um, And uh, whatever your position is on any sort of war, um, we should never uh, critique the valor of those who have uh, served uh, our country and given and paid the ultimate price. Um, and today we especially remember the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. And as Ben prayed indeed, they had said it was the war to end all wars. Uh, Nine million civilians died in that war and 10 million soldiers. England lost an entire generation of men during that time. And... Um, and um, well, it just hasn't stopped, and uh, we just came back from the Diocese uh, Convention for the Episcopal Diocese of New York, where we did the hard work of lamentation and uh, repenting of our sins and the involvement uh, that the uh, church and the people of the church have played in slavery and, uh, and in uh, sexual exploitation. I mean, it's just not ravaged the Catholic Church, it's ravaged our own, and um, and the Me Too movement brought that to light. And um, and so there was a heavy-duty deal of repentance and um, uh, and that went on uh, at this last uh, diocesan convention. I came back, quite frankly, exhausted. And um, because when you really get into touch with the human condition, all you can say is, Lord, abide with me. And uh, really, this has caused me to wonder a little bit about how actually progressive we really are, you know? Other than having uh, more television shows at our fingertips than ever possible, um, are we really all that more progressive? Uh, you know, um, we, we seem to fall into the same things. And um, it doesn't seem to be a spiral getting better, um, but actually sometimes getting worse. And all we can say is, uh, Jesus, abide with me. Abide with me and save me. Uh, And indeed, that's what faith is all about. Faith is all about, and this is what Jesus is actually talking about in our gospel reading, is faith. Personal confession, I always feel um, a bit awkward after this gospel reading, uh, primarily for two reasons. First, because what Jesus says about people in robes, and here I am in these beautiful robes, and uh, you know... Ben and I sit up in the best seats in the chancel, and there Nancy is looking gussied up as well. And so here we are. And uh, then the second thing is that Jesus celebrates the widow who contributes two copper coins, which equal one penny into the treasury. I mean, really, Jesus? Serious? Two copper coins worth one penny? And she gave the most? Let me just say, if everybody only gave two pennies here, uh, we'd have to close these doors. We'd be in big, you're supposed to laugh at this. But anyway, um, big trouble. So get your pledge in and make it big. Uh, but, uh, but what is Jesus talking about in this reading? Well, he's talking about faith. He's talking about faith. He's not telling you to be like the widow. Uh, what he's speaking about here is faith. Faith. The thrust of Jesus' teaching today is a compare and a contrast 
between the religious leaders and the widow. What he's doing is comparing and contrasting how genuine faith actually manifests in our lives. So first, the compare and the contrast between the widow and the scribes. At this moment in Mark's gospel, the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders is so thick that you can actually cut it with a knife. They are ready to literally kill him, and in a few weeks they shall. And uh, chapter 12 takes place in the temple treasury. And according to the Mishnah, according to the Mishnah, in the temple treasury, uh, there were 13 large receptacles. And they were large boxes shaped in the form of a trumpet where people put their financial offerings. And according to the tradition, notice the tradition, not the scriptures, but according to the tradition, it was said that large offerings would make a pious noise and that this noise should induce applause from the congregation. It sounds awful a lot like the medieval ages in Tetzel's poem. You know, every time a coin in the coffers rings, a soul from purgatory once again springs. We repeat history all the time, don't we? Now, scribes, they were not permitted. They were not permitted to receive payment for their work. One of the sayings was, do not make Torah a spade with which to dig. You must not accept payment for teaching the law. However, the scribes, as they always did, they found a loophole in the system. They found a loophole in the system, and instead of payment... What they would do is, is that they would take huge subsidies from these boxes to cover their lavish expenses. So these boxes, while there's coins going in them, the scribes are placing these giant like IOU receipts. So they were also filled with IOU receipts. And the scribes would hang out in the treasury and they would take notice of those who put large sums of money into the bin. And then, when they noticed who it was, the scribes would invite themselves over to lead brilliant services and say elaborate prayers in the house. So it would be as if, you know, somebody was like, hey, we'd like to come to your house and say these prayers in your home, which was understandably a huge honor. And then there was a tradition that was beginning to develop in those days that supposedly if a scribe came to your house and said these certain prayers, that it would draw you actually close to God. And so, but instead of giving me a payment to come over and say prayers in your homes, what you would do would be, would give me access to your financial resources. You might give me like a a visa, like, you know, um, you know, gift certificate card and say, hey, Jake, do whatever you'd like, you know, and uh, and that's what would happen. And so while they belong to the poorer class, they led really lavish lifestyles. They got a lot of $500 gift certificates. And, uh, and they would use these gift certificates and buy these lavish robes in order to demonstrate God's favor, sponging off the hospitality of those with limited means. Sounds a lot like today in parts of the church in the prosperity gospel. And this is my first point. Jesus, he's not telling everybody, be like the widow. Like, that's not what he's saying. Jesus here is commending her faith and contrasting it and condemning here a faith that is shallow and self-focused. 
Jesus is condemning by the scribes the outward appearance and behavior, the virtue signaling as we would call it today. Look what I did. Aren't I amazing? I mean, I wore my I voted sticker like for two days. It's this stuff. The loud clinging of the coins. A faith which believes that one must justify themselves in God's sight through piety, performance, or appearance. That lifts up the standard, whatever it is. And it may not be piety for you. It may be your latest cause or your concern, your latest, uh, you know, hashtag. This is what Jesus is coming at. These things that we think prop ourselves up in the eyes of others and that have nothing to do with the blood atonement for the forgiveness of sin for which the temple was established and for which in one week Jesus would give his very self. So Jesus, he's sitting there in the treasury, and I can picture it, and he's watching all of these people, and they're pouring their coins and their large sums of money into these boxes, hoping to be noticed, when all of a sudden, he points out to his disciples, he's like, look over there, look at that lady right there, look at that widow, with two copper coins, And says she has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Copper coins and widows. That's the key to understanding the kind of faith that Jesus is highlighting here. Copper coins and widows. That's the kind of faith you and I have. And this is contrasted with the scribes. First, the copper coins copper coins in this treasury I imagine the sound with all those coins going into the box have you ever been into a casino like in Atlantic City or something like that they're like bing 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 it's loud with noise and coins bouncing all over the place as people are putting their coins and their large sums of money into these receptacles hoping to be noticed it was loud two copper coins were the smallest coins in circulation. William Lane, the New Testament scholar, said this could only purchase two copper coins, which equaled one penny, could only purchase one-eighth of a daily bread ration. And so just think about all of the noise and the two little copper coins falling into that receptacle. The temple accountant would not have noticed it, nor would it have covered the cost of a simple thank you Yahweh prayer, nobody would have noticed this. This is faith. And this is my second point. The profundity of real faith, Christ-centered faith, the faith that you and I have, is that it goes unnoticed, oftentimes even by us, primarily because real faith is never our work. You know, everybody wants to define faith today as an acceptable form of superstition. Just have a lot of faith. But faith, actually, from the Christian scriptures, the Bible, it teaches us that faith is the work of God in and through us. 
This is what Jesus means on the Sermon on the Mount when he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Faith, never forget this, is the work of God through us. You can't take credit for it because it flows out from a living trust that seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you see, therefore, it can hold all of the coins in our hands and everything else in this world, whatever it may be, loosely, with dead hands. Next, so we have the coins. No one notices the coins, right? Neither do you. The second thing that defines faith is that she's a widow. This is important because widows, especially sonless widows, were defined by a life of difficulty and hardship because there was no one there for them except for God. Uh, Before the 10 o'clock service at St. George's, our Old Testament reader came up to me and said, what in God's name is going on here in Ruth? You know, I mean, take a look at it. There's no, nobody is showing this scene on felt boards. I mean, and Sunday school, Naomi is literally like, hey, get, get fancy and go down there. There's Boaz, he's going to be working all day. When he gets drunk, go and lift, show his feet, you know, and that means something else. And so, I mean, this is very, like, interesting. And, uh, but you, I mean, serious, the, the Bible is a gritty book. Am I the only one who reads it? But anyway, I mean, it's like Game of Thrones has got nothing on what's going on in the Bible most of the time. And so, uh, but here's the thing, you know, um, so... Naomi is a widow, a sonless widow, in a land that's gone through a horrible, horrible famine. And you know, if you read the Bible, just like reading each of these stories just as they are, they make, they're kind of bizarre. I mean, this is a bizarre story. But if we read it through the hermeneutic that Jesus teaches us to read it. We don't read it, we read it through the lens of Jesus because he says, all the law and the prophets point unto me. Everything is about me in that Old Testament. One of my colleagues once said, well, that's awfully narcissistic of Jesus. And I was like, well, that's because he's God. You know, I mean, he he can. It is all about him. Never forget that. Do not look for yourself first ever in the Bible. Look for Jesus. And what this story is about is about God's faithfulness to this widow, Naomi. And now through Ruth, She has someone to care for her. And the most profound thing is, is that Ruth's son's son became this guy named Jesse. And Jesse's son became this guy named David. And David's greater son, generations later, becomes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who in his death and resurrection has demonstrated his faithfulness to all of God's promises, not only to widows, but to you and me. And that you shall be saved from death and the wrath that is to come. This is the good news. And this is what it means for a widow. Widows, no one was faithful to them except for God. This is the testimony of the Old Testament. This is the testimony of Jewish history. It's in 1 Kings as well. It's all over the place. But that God is faithful to the widow. God cared for the widow. God only knows what happened to that widow after this event. There was no guarantee. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to go over there and write her a check. 
You know, from this day forward, her cupboards shall be full. No. And anywhere you hear that message preached, if you sow your seed of faith, God owes you something, is nonsense. It's not Christianity and run the other way. It is not the gospel. The point of the widow there in that temple and giving her two coins, but nobody noticed, being in that temple, two coins in the basket, the point is is that she obviously was aware of God's past provision, God's past faithfulness, by virtue of his promises. And this is my third point. Christ-centered faith goes unnoticed, but it does not focus on the future and what I think God should be doing right now. Christ-centered faith focuses on and places all of its trust on what God has done for us in the past. Here I lay my Ebenezer. The song goes, Ebenezer's were markers that when Israel was going through its history and God did something amazing, they would build an altar there to remind them that in the present, when times were tough, they could look back and say, there God was faithful then and he's faithful to me now. And it's no different for God's people by faith through the blood of the everlasting covenant. We look backwards as well. We look backwards as well to the cross And trust what God has done for us in the past. That there on the cross we hear the gospel. I am for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that Jesus' death has covered the multitude of your sins. And for his sake and his sake alone. We now stand before God completely justified. Though we die. Yet on account of Christ, we will live and be raised on the last day. And in him, you even truly live now. So let me wrap up with this. It's a sheer act of God's grace. A work of the Holy Spirit to look backwards. Most of the time, if you're like me, I'm such a control freak. I have my eyes fixated on the future, trying to do all I can not to be a widow and maybe, you know, virtue signal enough and throw enough shout outs and hashtags up in the air to fix the future. And maybe I'll get God to join me. And he'll do what I want. Especially when all I've got is two copper coins. But it is in those moments, it's in those moments we're really close. The Lord is close. And by faith, through the Spirit, he calls us and causes us to cry out the only prayer we've got. Lord, save me. Lord, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So rest assured. Look backwards, for the cross there tells us that God is faithful. He is faithful to all of his promises in both the big and small things. 
and that he has staked a claim on you. He has staked a claim on you and he is faithful to his promises and that you are never outside of his care. And so as you come forward today around this altar and you receive the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood, whatever your situation, know your salvation is secure. Whatever copper coins you have in your life, You can let them go, and you can pray, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for listening to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast. And if Calvary St. George's has made a difference in your life, even from afar, we're asking you to consider how you might financially support us in our mission to share the gospel to the very ends of the earth by making a pledge. A pledge says that you're with us in the 2019 year and allows us to help shape our budget and how we are going to carry out this mission in the 2019 year. Remember, no pledge is ever too small. So head over to calvarystgeorges.org backslash giving and make a pledge today. And as always, thank you for your prayers and your support.